VHS Cult. This is a public service announcement with guitar. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I had to go fix that for me. She can't play it for like 20 minutes now while it downloads. Dang old Woody. He's just running around. He's like, howie, howdy, partner. There's Sneaking. a snake in my boot. <laughs> I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. That's the best part. That's my favorite line in the first movie. This might be the best line in the entire uh yeah, the whole series. It's just a good joke. A solid joke. What have you been up to? Nothing. What have you been watching? Not really anything. Video Violent games? Cops. More like Violent regular cop. cop. Yeah, he's just normal <laughs> just cop. Cop, cop. Just regular cop. Maybe he's different in Japan. I was going to check out um, like the police brutality in Japan. Uh-huh. But I never got around to it. I'll just, just, <laughs> I'll just yeah, assume since they don't have guns, it's not as bad. They're probably not shooting as many people. It's beat up a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. A lot of, of uh, um, would be perpetrators falling down stairs, uh, slipping, and you know, just a lot of accidents. I imagine. Yeah, you're getting hip tossed and stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. I think I'd rather be police brutalized by the Japanese police because then basically you can just fight back. Well, I mean, you can technically fight back against the, the cops in the U.S. too, to a point. Yeah, but, I mean, you might get shot, and then they're going to make sure you go to jail. I feel like the... I Japanese guess they probably went to Japan, sure too. You go to jail too. Yeah. I don't know. Cops just suck everywhere, Yeah, as we all know. Well, uh, I've been watching Japanese stuff, aside from Violent Cop. I've been watching all of Makoto Shinkai's animes. Supposedly, he was lauded as being like the new Hayao Miyazaki, but I don't quite see it yet. But his animes are pretty good. I don't have that. I've never seen a single one of his. Yeah, you haven't really seen Your Name? It's the highest grossing animated film of all time, or yeah. highest grossing anime of all time, rather. Nope. Beat out Spirited Away. Nope. I haven't seen it. Damn, son. I, it. I haven't seen it. So, yeah. well, I mean, you know, well, welcome to most people haven't. <laughs> yeah, most people suck at movies. So I did some more investigating off last week of who Todd Rundgren is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I realize now why I know who he is, but don't know any of his music. I tried to listen to some of his music, right? But it's like wimpy. It's like wimpy shit. But somehow he was still involved in like the early like New York like punk scene a little bit. Like he was friends with the Stooges. And the New York Dolls and shit. Like, he was kind of moving in the same circles, even though he made, like, this shitty wimpy music. But the reason I specifically know who he is is because um, his girlfriend, B.B. Buell, uh, is Liv Tyler's mom. And oh. for a while, she said Todd Rundgren was the was dad the father, to protect yeah. him from Steven Tyler as well. Yeah. But also because uh, at one point, Iggy Pop stole B.B. Uh, Buell from Todd Rundgren. <laughs> He just, I mean, Tom Rogan just can't catch a break. I mean, how can you compete with Iggy Pop? 
Or, or apparently Steven Tyler. Yeah, like Steven Tyler. I don't understand the sexual appeal of Steven Tyler, but there's like something there. It's just like not the raw power that Eddie <laughs> Pop has. I mean, he is a street walking shooter with a heart full of name. Yeah. I mean, accurate second or the third Stooges album appropriately named Raw Power. Technically, that one's Iggy and the Stooges, but it's still the third Stooges album, really. We got a bunch of YouTube copyright claims on the last album from all the Ramones fucking inserts you did. Uh, Whatever. I've been listening to a lot of Ramones since then. My uh, thing is, like, fuck YouTube. It doesn't matter. I've gone through the laws as long as we don't play the full song in the podcast, like on any other platform. doesn't matter. Yeah, I've been listening to Ramones a little bit, too. Also, um, The Damned. So, like, you know, there's the Sex Whistles and The Clash. and I then know The Damned. Also, the, well, yeah, but I'm for the listening audience. There was also a third band called The Damned. That's, like, the other pillar of, like, early British punk. But, like, they don't really get the credit or respect that The Clash or The Sex Pistols do. And then um, I also had a dream recently where I was attending a party and Michael Sarah was there. Ugh. But like the prime Michael Sarah, you know, have you seen him recently where his like his weak chin has gotten so much worse? And yeah, like its nose has gotten more pronounced, and his chin is like it's disappeared into his neck. He's like a yeah. buzzard. It's really, it's strange to me. Yeah, but my dream it was prime Michael Sarah <laughs> when he was a little boy. Well, yeah, he's like younger, like super bad era. So he's like nineteen, I guess. <laughs> but uh, it with also within the dream is like everyone's waiting for Shia LaBeouf to get there. Oh, as you would right? and i was it's gonna, it's gonna be crazy right so uh, the dream like didn't pan out because it's a dream i probably woke up because i had to pee or it went somewhere else you know so i don't remember any other details aside from that but it made me think and it's uh just this real simple question is who would you rather party with shia labeouf or michael Sarah? i don't know what mood am i in, am I in? about it. here's the decision i came to Michael Sarah, like he could be at the party, whatever. I don't care one way or the other, you know. Like I'll be like, cool, whatever. Michael Sarah, and although I'm very pro Shia LaBeouf, and I'll officially state that this podcast is pro Shia, um, I don't think I would want to go to a party with Shia LaBeouf. And the specific reason is like when I'm at parties, I like to be the center of attention, like the one holding court and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if I could compete with Shia out. LaBeouf. <laughs> I don't know if Shia LaBeouf necessarily holds court. If you if you know what I mean, I don't know. Uh, if you watch him in like interviews he's done and like can more candid shit like hot ones and stuff like that, you could tell like he's like a star. It be, beyond being like a celebrity, he's he's someone who like can. He's got, he's got a gravitas. Yeah, he's got he can hold people's attention. I like I don't know if I would want to compete with Shia. It seems like it'd be a lot of work. <laughs> I don't uh, I don't really try to work at it, so I don't I don't care. I guess. I just my whole thing is like what what mood am I in? How much how much energy do I have for that particular night? And that's that's who I who I'm going to party with. Yeah, because like if it's a real chill party, it, Michael Sarah. Yeah, but if you if you want to have like a wild night, probably Shia. If you don't want to know how it's going to end. Maybe maybe Shia is the answer. And yeah. I'm not saying like he's like a crazy man, but you know more likely to be a stranger he'll take you he might take you on an adventure sort of thing i don't think michael sarah would he also might just go crazy and punch you in the back of the head michael sarah would just be like hey i'm uh have you heard the band the unicorns there's a the guy from unicorns is in my band (laughs) like shut up you play bass i forget what the name of his band was but it also had the it had um honest honest from man man and the guy from the unicorns and they had some pretty good songs I took this uh, like personality quiz that's been going around Twitter that's related to like uh, fictional characters that you're yeah, similar to. Really whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, it's dumb as shit. But uh, the results I got was 85%. These are the highest results I got. It was Sirius Black and Stephen Hyde from that 70s show. Huh. I don't eh. believe it. This is bullshit. I don't be like Stephen Hyde. That would mean I'd be like untouchable, unlovable. Yeah, uh, that pans out. And he's a Scientologist. <laughs> Characters not. <laughs> no, no, characters <laughs> not yeah, that's bullshit. And Sirius Black is, is like the oh, he's not Sirius Black, but um, so I don't know. I don't know Sirius Black. I, the big thing is like I don't know if I'd be able to handle prison. Sirius Black did all right. <laughs> well, you could tra- he transformed into a dog. If you could transform a dog, you can handle prison. Yeah, plus like he only had to worry about Dementors. Like I'd like uh, have to worry about uh, white supremacist gangs trying to recruit me. And enough people have like misinterpreted the flower that's in one of my tattoos as being like the clover. Motherfuckers try to cut that shit off of me because you know it's a brand for the Aryan Brotherhood. 
Yeah, good job. Yeah, I'll have to get if I ever end up like having to go to prison, I'll have to get it changed yeah, before I go. The results in it is like, a whole bunch of characters I don't know, but it's like because I don't watch Breaking Bad or TV and shit. And I was going through it and stuff, and it's like, man, this is fucking lame. Like, who watches all this shit? Who cares about the personality traits of these shit ass characters? How did this quiz that was asking me like political and uh, sociological questions somehow equate that with characters from shitty fucking sitcoms and shit? Ah, tell a Stephen Hyde answer. Burn. I can't believe it's only been a week since we did the last podcast. Everything was going great until like Friday night, and then like started to go crazy again. I'm so bored with the USA. That's you want to play shit. World of Warcraft after we're done? Maybe take an hour break. But Ryan really wants to do the dungeon. Hell yeah. Fucking Steven Hyde. Oh, well, some other Japanese shit we watched this week. Violent Cop. Normally, I would um cut a trailer in right here for the movie you watched, but the trailer for Violent Cop is like a, a legit-ass trailer, so it doesn't have uh, some guy going, in a world where Japan is, you know, usually there's shitty narration that works very well in the podcast format. This one's yeah, like mostly the 80s trailers are the classic war. Yeah, this one's mostly visuals and dialogue and stuff, and it seems like a real ass movie. So instead of the trailer for Violent Cop, I figure I'll cut in um, Jill Scott Heron talking about the police, <laughs> which is almost the same thing. Kinda, yeah. You explained it to me, I must admit, but just for the record, you were talking shit. Long rap about no not being legislated for the people you've always hated in this hellhole that you, we, call home. No knock, the man will say, to keep that man from beating his wife. No knock, the man will say, to protect people from themselves. No knocking head, rocking, enter, shocking, shooting, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. No knock. No knock on my brother Fred Hampton, bullet holes all over the place. No knock on my brother Michael Harrison, jammed a shotgun against his skull. For my protection, who's gonna protect me from you? The likes of you, the nerve of you, to talk that shit face to face, your tomato face, deadpan, your deadpan, deadening another freedom plan. No knocking, head rocking, into shocking, shooting, cussing, killing, crying, lying, and being white. But if you're wise, no knocker, you'll tell your no knocking lackeys, ha, no knock on my brother's heads, no knock on my sister's heads, no knock on my brother's heads, no knock on my sister's heads, and double lock your door, because soon someone may be no knocking, ha, ha, for you. Uh, basically, anytime we do um, a movie that involves uh, police, I'll do some anti-cop propaganda. That's been the trend so far. So I guess I'll do that again with this one. <laughs> There's um a really good movie with it. The ingredients for a really good movie are in this movie, but they didn't quite do it. Yeah, I mean it's like a you know, kind of like a dirty Harry thing. Um, I mean you can honestly honestly see this in like uh, Infernal Affairs or The Departed the kind of vibe. This uh, predates Infernal Affairs, and therefore oh, yeah. the department. Uh, uh, yeah, by like twenty years almost. Well, I guess we'll just get into it. Or like it's... Dirty Harry. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know. It's a, the classic. Well, this is uh, to me. I feel like uh, we'll get into or it more day. about how the movie changed from what it was originally supposed to be. But it's. I think it was originally supposed to be, and what's left over from of it is the equivalent. It's this is a Japanese equivalent of like the conservative justice justice fantasy movies that America right, was making yeah, in the eighties. But it Wind becomes power fantasy. Yeah, it becomes more tragic and uh, a little bit more v- vague on what the morals of the movie is, thanks to Takeshi Kitano taking over. Violent Cop, 1989. A violence-prone police officer discovers that his colleague is trafficking drugs. That's the synopsis on the IMDb. Kind of doesn't really cover what the movie's about at all. <laughs> um, um, sort of. I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> I, that's that's basically like the first twenty minutes, and then it sets is off it? the rest I don't of the think movie. He finds out the cop is dirty until like halfway through. No, it's like only half an hour into it. Oh. Forty minutes, maybe. But you know what I mean? Like the whole, the actual like point of the movie doesn't really have very much to do with that. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It certainly doesn't. 
So, this film is directed by a very famous man, Takeshi Kitano, also known as Beat Takeshi. You may be familiar with him from when I used to watch Battle Royale a lot in high school. And yeah, he's, he, was in, he's in that, right? He's the mean teacher. Well, I don't know, he's in tons of American stuff, but there's a specific thing you know him from that you're not aware you know him from because oh. it's American tricks, and we'll get to that. Oh, no. Yes, this is his directorial debut, though, and marks the beginning of his career as a filmmaker. And he's going to go on to be a very successful director. Uh, he's trying to get a very sexy voice. Well, yeah, he's going to be he's, a very successful director. He is a comedian, a television presenter, an actor, a filmmaker, and an author. He's known primarily as a ah, comedian. Steve Martin. Yeah, but much better than Steve Martin. <laughs> More accomplished <laughs> even than Steve Martin. Uh, he's known primarily as a comedian and a TV host in his native Japan. And then abroad, he's known almost exclusively for his work as a director. Lauded critical acclaim for his idiosyncratic cinematic work, winning numerous awards with Japanese film critic Nagaharu Yodogawa having once dubbed him the true successor to influential filmmaker Akira Kurosawa. Whoa. Oh, man. Both and- cops and gangsters instead of samurai yeah many of katana's films are dramas about yakuza gangsters or the police described by basically critics. the same thing i mean it's just quiet japanese men that are also dangerous right <laughs> which are <laughs> cops and yakuza uh, yakuza's have back tattoos though cops don't not unless you're a really cool cop well if you're also a yakuza cop hell yeah infernal affairs <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the new uh, manga from Adventure uh, Productions, Yakuza Cop. I mean, there's probably so many like Japanese works that already yeah, hundred percent. There's someone yeah. done that like twenty times. It'd be weird for a couple white boys to make it <laughs> Yakuza <laughs> Cop. Uh-huh. Yakuza are cool though. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not cool in real life, but they're cool as like a, a like a cinematic or artistic uh, device. I have this problem where um I still uh worship some uh negative masculine figures like gangsters and stuff especially some criminal uh <laughs> yeah especially i'm especially ones. yeah especially like think there's beauty and criminality a little bit so uh i don't know don't listen don't listen to me for moral advice just listen to me complain about um movies and cultural shit <laughs> <laughs> i have no morals uh, described by critics as using his acting style that is highly deadpan or camera style that approaches near stasis. Kitano often uses long takes during which little appears to be happening or editing that cuts immediately to the aftermath of an event. Many of his films express a bleak worldview, but are also filled with humor and affection for their characters. So you can, um, Violent Cop has a dash of all these things, but he hasn't quite figured out his voice yet, right? You say that's accurate? Yeah, you can kind of see some of that stuff in there, but I wouldn't yeah. say yeah, like uh, with just seeing Violent Cop, I wouldn't come away with that impression. Yeah, no, he definitely gets much better as he goes on. Violent Cop just happens to be his only movie that takes that was made in the '80s, so it's the only one we can watch for this podcast, unfortunately. Until we get like ten years down the road and we're moving into the '90s, then we'll watch more. <laughs> His father worked as a house painter, with Katano revealing that he was also most likely Yakuza. <laughs> Yeah, his father's so name. I heard you paint houses. Yeah, <laughs> his father's name was Kikujiru, and Kitano admitted that his father spoke to him only three times in his life. Whoa, he wasn't <laughs> the, like some traditional Japanese shit, huh? Yeah, and I gotta point out he wasn't his estranged father or anything. Like he lived with them, <laughs> he grew up with them. His parents were together and everything. You know what I mean? His father just didn't talk to him. What were the three times? <laughs> Does he remember him? Uh, he must, but pass the salt. <laughs> <laughs> we graduated from university. You get the Good door. Job. Congratulations yeah. on uh, you're getting uh, graduating university. Please move out. Yeah, I couldn't find the uh, like quotes for the three times, except for in '79 when Katano's father passed away. Uh, Katano said that the last word his father said were "I'm sorry." <laughs> for- <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I guess that covers it, doesn't it? <laughs> That's so wild to That's, me. Man. Yeah. I'm gonna see if I can get away with that with my kids. They've I've talked to them more than that so far, but three times for the rest of their life, that's all they're getting. Yeah, you just get really quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, he says in his working class neighborhood, the children looked up to baseball players and Yakuza, with many of his neighbors being the latter. Which uh, I understandable. That's the same yeah, thing for it. me, I, except for his basketball, basketball for us. Players, yeah. yeah. And uh, instead of Yakuza, it was, you know, like rappers who pretended to be gangsters. <laughs> Some of them were gangsters, but, you know, Tupac kind of pretended. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Takeshi Kitano. He originally decided to become an engineer, but he was thrown out of school for rebellious behavior. You know, like kicking things, spitting, <laughs> smoking cigarettes, <laughs> sticking girls' hair in ink. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like what would be considered rebellious behavior in like uptight conservative like 50s <laughs> Japan, <laughs> saying curses. Yeah, he wrote. He did a one graffiti. Uh, he disrespected he learned, an authority once. <laughs> yeah. He learned comedy, singing, and dancing from famed comedian Senzaburo Fukami. I like saying Japanese names. Fukami, Afuka you. <laughs> hey, that was pretty racist. Yeah, well, you know, Austin Powers did it, so I can do it. Yeah, but Austin Powers did it in the year 2000. That's still okay. They, that you know, was 20 years ago. Little, it's a little bit of a, it's a name pun. You can do name puns? No. Why is that racist? Nope, don't even try to do an Italian accent. I've done an Italian accent. <laughs> I talked to my pasta in an Italian accent for 30 minutes the other day. <laughs> yes, no good. I do it. All right, I'm done. Uh, in the 70s, he formed a comedy duo with his friend, Nero Kaneko, also called Kiyoshi Kaneko. They both took on the stage names Beat Takeshi and Beat Kiyoshi, together referring to themselves as Two Beat. I'm not sure exactly what the beat thing means in Japan, but... It's cool. Beat Takeshi Beat is a cool name. Beat Kids. Uh, this sort of comedy duo is known as uh, Manzai in Japan. It usually features a great deal of high-speed back-and-forth banter between the two performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, There's a similar style in America. In, like, exactly. Like, you know. It's a kind of vaudeville thing. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kiyoshi played the straight man, which is called a Sukomi, and Takeshi was the funny man, or a bouquet. A bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> he smelled lovely. Yeah, there's like plenty of uh, two man vaudeville acts, like famously in the United States. For some reason, I can't remember. Abbott and Costello. <laughs> there's <laughs> one. Laurel and Hardy. Laurel and Hardy. I That's was thinking what I about, Who the fuck is Fatty Girl Buckleborn? I don't know. I was talking about Laurel and Hardy. That's who. That what, was like who I was thinking of. Yeah. Freddie Arbuck was like some other performer He's like guy. He's a solo guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. He's fat. My vaudeville is not knowledge is, is, <laughs> is fading in the quarantine. Yeah, Desi and Lucille. I really, I didn't. Sleep. I have not been sleeping well. I'm getting like five or six hours of sleep a night. Oh uh, shit! And me either. So I've had like really bad indigestion for like a year, right? Mm-hmm. But I finally, like, I haven't. I finally like did something within my diet or when I eat or whatever, so that I haven't had any problems for like like two or three weeks now. So that's great. I was like, man, this is going to make sleeping so much easier and, you know, just general existing. But nah, it doesn't matter. I'm still just like waking up every couple hours, like freaked out, having weird dreams, getting up to pee, not being able to go back to sleep. It's terrible. I just like seem to be only able to sleep like five hours. I'll go to sleep at like midnight, wake up at like five. Um, for me, it's six. more like, or I mean, like, I'll wake up at like in the middle of the night, like, like every two or three hours, I'll wake up and have to roll around and move. And, uh, yeah, I just don't sleep peacefully anymore. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I just can't ever stay asleep. And then, yeah, I'll um go to sleep like really late, like three or four in the morning, and be like, well, I guess I'll just you know wake up late tomorrow. But then, like, I get up at like ten o'clock because I have to pee, and then I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just be awake now, and I keep doing it. And not ever can any sleep. Makes it so yeah. I can't. Yeah, it's, I'm, I know I'm not like functioning at like full brain power. You know what I mean? I can feel it. Yep. Uh, so that's why we can't remember any uh, vaudeville acts and why we went on such a weird tangent when we're talking about violent cops. The reason for their popularity uh, with their comedy acts had uh, much to do with Katano's material, which was much more risque than tr- traditional manzai. Ooh, they talked Ooh. about the boobies. Um, the targets of his jokes were often the socially vulnerable, which that's well, us. That's, <laughs> everyone knows good comedy punches down. Um, including the elderly, the handicapped, the poor, children, women, the ugly, and the stupid. <laughs> oh my god, it's yeah. Nazi Germany. <laughs> <That's> comedy. <laughs> 
Well, I guess the, the, my thinking is um, because of how respectful Japanese society is, especially <laughs> of uh, the elderly and you know the and how strict and respectful Japanese society is. In order to push the limits or to be shocking, he was like, you know what? I'll just be mean to all these respected figures. You know what I mean? He was just trying to like push the envelope. Yeah, I mean, I guess some of them seem like elderly. I think are respected to some a higher degree in, in Japan, but like some of the figures or, or classes you named are not not that well respected. I don't think. Well, yeah, the the poor obviously <laughs> the poor not. aren't like really like you know. No, the poor being poor is still seen as like a moral failing in Japan. So that's not good. Uh, women obviously are not uh, held in the highest esteem in Japan. Well, they are in very traditional senses, but they're not. Uh, like it's put on a pedestal kind of thing. Yeah, they don't necessarily have a quality in Japan. Um, the ugly and the stupid. I, I mean, uh, who's to judge? You know what I mean? Like that's to me that's like a weird. Not like who's to judge being mean to him, but like who's to say who's ugly and stupid sort of thing? You know what I mean? So that one's kind of amorphous, very opinion-driven. And obviously the handicapped, um, the, I, I feel like in Japan, structurally and society, societally is much more helpful to the handicapped than a lot of countries are, but I'm guessing like interpersonally and stuff, it's probably still not that great. Yeah, I mean, also, it's, we, it's got to think, too, this, we're looking at it in 2020, they were popular in what 1960. These are the 70s, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. You got I don't know what the what the, how how they were taking care of their handicapped or how what society was like in Japan in the the 70s. Yeah, that's about true. to have like a real big economic boom. Yeah, they're about, really, like, the they're about to start. They're starting it right now. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like I've never seen his early performances i'm not super familiar with it yeah, i'm not yeah, familiar I'm with japanese culture comedy, comedy or comedy yeah. is one of those things that's very culture specific it's hard to yeah do. so i don't obviously it's not i'm not like pro making jokes about these people but i don't oh, i'm definitely pro making jokes about women let's do it <laughs> i just uh don't know the context for it exactly and i'm gonna chalk it up to youthful transgression right because sometimes <laughs> you just want to be an asshole when you're like 22 well, that was Kyle's experience. Not really, though, because I don't feel yeah, like I was ever different. politically an asshole. I was just like interpersonal relationships sometimes as an asshole. Um, complaints to the broadcasters led to censorship of some of Katano's jokes and the editing of offensive dialogue. And then Katano confirmed in a video interview that he was forbidden to access the NHK studios for five years for having exposed his body during a show when it was totally forbidden. I don't say specifically what part of his body he was. He showed an elbow. (laughs) He took his shirt off. (laughs) What the fuck is that Tom Cruise movie you always talk about? Coming to America or born moving to America? Born on the Fourth of July. (laughs) That's not the one where he's Irish. (laughs) Come up here, like Shannon. Your ankle's showing. Far away. Far away. Why is awful Irish accent? I don't yeah, know. Why is he even in that shit? <laughs> Weird. Although Two Beat one of the uh, most successful acts of its kind during the late seventies and the early eighties, Katano decided to go solo, and the duo was dissolved. Oh man, mm-hmm. he did pull the Shawn Michaels classic HPK there. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, he. He kicks him through a window. Marty Janetti, his his partner Marty Janetti, really Marty Janetti did too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did he know he could tell him Marge an idiot? Well, I mean, I don't think he had a drug problem and stopped showing up for his wrestling matches and shit, but his career didn't go anywhere really after it. Which is kind of the same thing. I guess, but I mean, Marty <laughs> Gennetti's career faltering seems to be through his own, like, misdeeds a little bit. Whereas well, this kid just that didn't get work, it seems like. Yeah, cause well, perhaps, they, perhaps it was a meritocracy and he just wasn't good enough. Well, here's the thing is to go off on a WWF tangent is uh, we know for a fact that they were planning on booking around the Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty feud for quite a while. And there was they even that, did it when he came back. Yeah, they even well, yeah, he even after he was suspended for drug abuse and sent to rehab and came back, he even got the Intercontinental title from Shawn Michaels at one point. So the feud would continue onwards, but then he got fucking in like a car accident while he's all fucked up again and got fired from the WWF, and they had to drop the title to some random person. You know what I mean? He fucked it up, and they gave him another chance. And I think Shawn Michaels buried him that time, but 
These things happen, I guess. <laughs> Classic Sean. Together with Sanma Akashia and Tomori and a man named Tomori, Kitano <laughs> is he's just a one name guy. He's a the Madonna of his time. Yeah. He, Kitano sting, is said to be sting. one of the big three television comedians of Japan. What would you say the big three television comedians of, of America were in the 80s? David Letterman, Jay Leno. Oh, God. Fuck you. Um, Carson was still alive and, and kicking. Johnny Carson? He wasn't on TV anymore, was he? Yeah, he was in the 80s. In the 80s? He was uh, when still did, alive when Johnny Carson stopped hosting. When did he switch I mean, he over still- to Jay Leno? I want to say it was the early '90s, wasn't it? Oh, so okay, never mind. It was Carson Letterman and that was that was basically it, right? It's Carson Letterman. I don't remember anybody else. They they didn't really, no one else really had a late show until uh, Letterman left CBS. Yeah, I guess it was Carson and Letterman. <laughs> yeah, Carson. Three. 1992 is when he, when Johnny Carson stopped. I remember watching Johnny Carson host. So I, it, yeah, I was too young. For, I didn't, oh, I, and there's also uh, Arsenio Hall. He might have oh. been not been late '80s Arsenio Hall. Kind of like Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, we hope, but yeah, he's, he's no, he's, around, Jimmy he? Fallon's already been doing it for like 15 years or some shit, hasn't he? Yeah, almost as, as long as Jay Leno did it the second time. <laughs> I don't know. Late night talk show shit's always been trash as far as I know. There's especially fucking, what's it, Jimmy Kimmel? He's fucking sucks. Jimmy Fallon, he sucks. Stephen Colbert hasn't been funny in like 15, 20 years. It's all garbage. Oh, fucking the dude from other dude from Saturday Night Live too. He's got a show, right? Oh, Seth, Seth Meyers. Meyers. He yeah, fucking he's, sucks. He's okay. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he tries his best. I'll tell him. I'll give you that. I'll give him yeah, that. Yeah, they, they, they all. He doesn't. He doesn't have it. They all try really hard and they suck. Um, the last good one. Was, oh fuck that James Gordon Gordon guy. I fucking oh, hate yeah, him. He's the worst too. Man, it's fucking Conan's time to shine. England didn't even want him. <laughs> Um, Conan was good, obviously. I haven't watched Conan in decades. Supposedly, his uh, his show from home is really good. I heard someone told me that online, and I didn't believe them, but I'll have to watch it. Well, I don't see why it wouldn't be though, since the good all the good stuff about Conan is just Conan, anyway. Yeah. yeah, like I don't care about interviewing celebrities or any of that weird shit. And now, you ready for the shocking reveal of why you know how America Takeshi. fucked him over or some of the Western world fucked him over? Let's do it. Kind of. Takeshi's Castle was a game show hosted by Katano in the 1980s. Oh, shit, yes, I knew this. Featuring slapstick-style physical contests. It was broadcast years later in the United States under the title Most Extreme Elimination Challenge with Takeshi renamed Vic Romano. Yes, yeah, I so, knew this. Yeah, Takeshi's Castle is his TV show. And then, yeah, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge, was, they overdubbed it for American audiences, and they made it more... Um, tongue-in-cheek i guess even though the it was already pretty tongue-in-cheek yeah, the it? original show was already just him playing himself as some crazy baron shogunate who forced people to run his obstacle course and at the very end he fought them in his like bumper car tank and shot tennis balls at him and shit like that <laughs> it was already just like the weirdest shit and then we brought the united states and like oh i don't know if anyone will take this seriously unless we overdub it with uh a joke every second. <laughs> I worked though, didn't it? People love that show. It's pretty funny when it first came out, yeah. But if you go back and watch, um, like the subtitled versions of the actual just Takeshi's Castle, it's already just like a pretty funny, funny show. Enough. Yeah. So uh, that's it. End of podcast. The, re- the revelation has occurred. Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. Uh, his first major film role was in uh, Nagisa oh, I we were done. I was ready to go play World Warcraft. Oh, no, 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 no. It was in Nagisa Oshima's Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, where he was cast as a tough POW camp sergeant during World War II opposite Tom Conti, Ryuichi Sakamoto, and David Bowie. David Bowie? That's right. Tom like said that he was happy with this performance and snuck into a showing of the film to see how the audience would accept him as a serious actor instead of a comedian. He was devastated when the audience burst into laughter upon his appearing on screen. How <laughs> to stick to serious and dark characters in film. Well, Ed O'Neill was always like a serious actor. He just ended up on... Um, yeah, but he became famous on Married with Children. You know what I mean? yeah. No one knew him from his serious acting or like his plays or any of that shit. And so like when he tried to go back and do it, people laughed at him. 
Yeah, and then he did whatever that sitcom is that he's on for a million years. That Modern yeah. Family? That, yeah, I think that's it. Is. Did it just end? I'm pretty sure it always ended. It's fucking time always feels like so fucking like such a mess when I think about it in terms of like yeah, my, my media and stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> I think it should. Like that shit's been on for like a million years, but like now nah, I'm not that old, so <laughs> maybe it's only been on for ten. But ten years ago is a long time, but it's kind of not. Anyhow, he said he vowed to stick to serious and dark characters in film, and then he said. Took me ten years of playing serial killers and rapists to be perceived as a serious actor among the Japanese public, but it finally happened. <laughs> <laughs> Additionally, in the eighties, uh, Katana worked on the family computer video game Takeshi no Shosenjo, translated as Takeshi's Challenge, as a consultant and partial designer. He was the first Japanese celebrity to actively contribute to the development of a video game and starred in several commercials promoting its release. Yeah, everybody's doing it. Uh, yeah, the video game apparently was like impossibly hard and not very good though, so it wasn't much of a success. <laughs> Battletoads. At this point, he has directed 19 films, acted in fucking uh, close to 100 movies. He's also written over 50 books, including volumes of film criticism and novels. He's a pretty busy guy. Damn. Yeah. I it makes, shit it makes me feel like trash. Yeah. Fucking garbage. I used to lie to myself and was like, once I have more free time, all I would do is just produce art and content. And I've had plenty of free time. I ain't been doing yeah, shit. It's been it's been real real live and over. Um, yeah, it's also because I'm like depressed as hell. So, oh, is that my problem? <laughs> Probably. Oh, good. Mister Takano himself said, "The ideal definition of cinema: a succession of perfect images." Kurosawa is the only director who has attained that, and he's right. You can't, Martin Scorsese, give it up. Clint Tarantino, you're done. Spielberg, go fuck yourself, you idiot. You watch the Kira Kurosawa movies, though, and he is like on another level than a lot of other directors. And it's consistently, like all of his movies are like, yep, Kira Kurosawa really did it with this one. And yeah, I don't know. That's true, but I feel like, like Scorsese definitely is kind of in that same league. Yeah, he's close to Kurosawa, and then not a single other director can you think of, except for, depending on how Dune is, and I'm already like skeptical because I don't care about big major. Oh man, I really don't like Dune, so I, it's going to be hard for me. Yeah, but uh, up until Dune, which might be, who knows what he'll do afterwards and all his. He would have stuff. to do more for me to say it for sure, but. Well, I mean, his track record so far has been basically impeccable. I don't like Arrival that much, but it's not a bad movie, you know. I like so, Arrival. Denis Villeneuve, Arrival, it's all right. I just like don't like Hawkeye. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. You yeah, have a good point. Hawkeye's role. Yeah, role and then uh, speaking of which, so that's a good point. The Russo brothers are definitely in the same category as like a Kurosawa or a or a Scorsese. The guys that made the rest of the direct the rest of all the episodes. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know about all that. Yeah, you can tell that um, the Russo brothers are good filmmakers in that the fan base has to create their own um, fictional stories where any of the characters interact with each other because it doesn't ever happen on screen (laughs) (laughs) love that shit although kinji fukasaku was the oh we're gonna talk about violent cop now specifically violent cop we're kind of done i want to talk about about hawkeye i hate him what's his name jeremy renner remember when he tried to do a lifestyle brand or something he sure did he had an app of (laughs) You had an app. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, what do you have? The app had to be closed though, right? Yeah, because someone hacked into it and there's like dick pics all over the place. What? For real? Yeah, Why for would real. there be dick pics? Like his dick? No, like just random dicks. Like someone, you know, like someone's like, oh, I figured out how to get into this. Oh, and they just started putting dicks everywhere? Yeah, that's my understanding. I have to look at them. That's in my head. But again, I've got mixed up Fatty Arbuckle and, and uh, yeah. Lauren Hardy. So don't take my word for it today. So, man, who, I could look it up, but I'm just gonna go with this. Someone in Hollywood really like why were they, I don't they've been like a two decade long push to like for Jeremy Renner like you know what I mean like who who wanted Jeremy Jeremy Renner Some agent so like, bad put a lot of money into him or something right yeah he's not that good an actor he's not no, he's short he's not particularly handsome he's not super handsome he's not he's charming not a great actor he doesn't have any charisma or anything. What are they like? Oh, you! I got this guy. He's gonna be the next Harrison Ford. He's like, no, what? I don't think so. 
I remember the town came out and I was like, oh, he's a pretty good actor. I'd love to see him do more like character work. And then now they were like, he needs to be a leading man. <laughs> it's like, what? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> also, we found out that he can't do character work. Yeah, then it was like, never mind. <laughs> I just give up on him. Although Kinji Fukasaku was the film's original director, a violent cop that is, he stepped down over a scheduling conflict due to Katano's TV commitments. It's like uh, Beat Takeshi could only work like 10 days, like every seven days or something like that. So the distributor suggested the comedian directed at his own pace as a joke. And Katano accepted and then did it. Right. <laughs> sure, <laughs> like, no, no problem. Like, uh, fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that thing he said it very sarcastically, too. He's like, so why don't you just direct it at your own pace then? That, that's basically what it was. It's like, oh, okay, well, if it's going to be such a problem, one direct it at your own pace. <laughs> and they did. And they went on to be a successful director. And no one knows who Kenji Fukusaka is. Who? Exactly. <laughs> the screenplay was originally written by Hasashi Nozawa, but upon talking, taking over as director, Katano rewrote the script heavily. Despite his contributions to the screenplay, he was left uncredited as a contributing writer. Um, the film was originally meant to be a comedy, but Katano wanted to try being a serious actor, therefore he made the movie into a police drama. And the reason he's uncredited is actually because he uh, didn't want credit. He was like, what? You just changed my story completely. I don't want fucking credit for this shit. <laughs> that happens a lot in Hollywood, too. Yeah, sure does. That's movie. That's, 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 that's show. For you. That's show business, baby. On the second or third day of production, nobody was carrying a screenplay. Neither the actors or the crew. We're was, making it up as we go. <laughs> yeah, it was filmmaking without a we're, script. We're yes-anding. Let's go. No, uh, no, most, I'm going to do a no but. That, that completely derails everything. Damn it. Most of the dialogue was improvised on the spot, which was scary for Makoto Ashikawa. His heart was always pounding on set, and he would often ask Takeshi Katano what to say for a scene. Katano was aiming for natural reactions, deliveries of lines, and performances from his cast. There's very little dialogue in the movie anyways. Yeah, that's probably why. So like I said, I do feel like this is the uh, Japanese equivalent of the conservative white man justice power fantasy. Um, but uh, I still do really like this movie because I do like his directorial style. It has like that uh, meditative, quiet intensity pace that I like in movies. Uh, I also think the violence is cool. I unfortunately, in addition to still having problems with uh, like gangster worship, I still also think violence in film is cool. Let's get that out of the way so that I don't get uh, yelled at on Twitter someday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the point is, it's like not a great movie. His best work is well, well ahead of him. But the reason I like this movie is because of little dashes of ingredients that he's throwing in, or you can see where he's going. And despite it being very similar to the weird justice fantasies that the United States produced in the 80s, it's, this one's actually a well-made movie. Uh, there's a couple of well-made justice fantasies, but yeah, point taken. I, I, here's my thing with like foreign fan, uh, foreign movies. I feel like a lot of the time we get like the cream of the crop. You know what I mean? There's got to be a lot of garbage that we just don't see. Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, since uh, quarantine started, I've been specifically trying to catch up on foreign films that I missed in like the last year or two. Uh-huh. And so I've been going through it like culturing. So obviously, I'm stuck in a Japanese pocket right now because like my emotions got so bad that i had to like find a specific like <laughs> yeah, genre of film in the bushido code yeah but uh before that it was like going through like all the releases in germany or like poland over the last couple of years and yeah you get like similar to the united states where there's like maybe like five really good movies that come out let's say like one to five depending on the country that come out and then yeah just a lot of trash I was also thinking about this. This is the wild tension coming out of it. Um, while I was watching this movie, for some reason, is because I was thinking about how the Japanese um, film industry developed after World War II, and basically Japan's been producing like a lot of films for since then, very successfully. And I was like, huh, what? I wonder why the German film industry fell apart. Because <laughs> you know they were in direct competition with Hollywood during uh, the. A Nazi uh, rule, <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, because fucking it was Nazi shit." <laughs> but for a second, I, I had to like stop and think about it for a second. Like, oh, like, oh wait a minute, those German films, those classic. Oh, um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I was like, "Well, if 
well, even when I realized it, I was like, you know, there's that such a huge art boom in like Berlin in like the seventies, eighties. You think there would have been more film coming out of it, but then I was like, oh yeah, Germany was really poor for a long time too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, um, I don't know. Art, the world, the world is great. We give the world a hug. If, I like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company. No, no Coca-Cola. I'm sorry. I have the commercial in mind. No, Coca-Cola bad. Company, corporation bad. Hugs good. Oh, hugs are bad too. You give coronavirus. Oh, shit. You're right. We can't do anything anymore. We can blow, nope. kind of blow kisses, but n- like not actually blow, just kind of mind blowing kisses. You just give thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up to everyone. <laughs> thumbs up and winks. Yeah. Buddy Christ. You got a buddy Christ, everybody. You do, like um, finger guns. Do rude gestures. I don't know if rude gestures is the way to go. If you're trying to give the world a, a like a visual hug. I'm returning around. I'm taking it back. <laughs> wasn't it? What, you can't ever, it wasn't ever that in the first place. You can't take it back. Oh, shit. Takeshi Kitano often clashed with the crew, especially in regards to the visual style. When Azuma, or Azuma, Kitano was walking to the police station, Kitano wanted, didn't want to show his whole head. He wanted his face to be partially out of frame, which made it look like the top of his head was chopped off. This was unthinkable framing in the traditional sense. Yet Katana demanded on the set. This caused tension with the crew, and Katana often met with strong opposition. The end result was an unplanned mixture of scenes shot with the cinematographer Yusuke Sakabara's sensibilities and scenes which Katana forced the crew, the crew to shoot the way he wanted. So That's a great way to make a movie. It's going to not make a weird visual style at all. Yeah, this is why this film also isn't quite as good as other movies. Is Obviously, he didn't have... Uh, the power control. he didn't have enough control to really just make it all his vision so that's why you just see like dashes of really good stuff or interesting things and there's a little bit of in- inconsistency with the cinematography because he was constantly fighting with his own crew because it's this everyone in japan this is just some comedian this would be like jim carrey coming off of um in living color and being like, all right, I'm fucking here to direct Schindler's List. I mean, maybe not that caliber of film, you know what I mean? But that's like the big jump this is. So the people that are working in Japan in the film industry are not taking this this kid. He's, I mean, he's an old man, but you know what I mean? He's just... Like, <laughs> They're not taking this old... This kid, uh, it's the this, Donald Trump uh, version of a, of a child. But. Yeah, they're not taking this punk comedian seriously, right? And so he doesn't know how to make a movie. It's fucking asshole. He just does jokes. So he didn't really get to make the movie he exactly wanted to. And he himself just quoted as saying, Violent Cop was shot a long time ago when I didn't know how to make a film. At least now I'm beginning to grasp what filmmaking is all about gradually. So I watched it again the other day on video so that I could comment on it during the interview as I had forgotten almost everything about it. Frankly, I couldn't bear to watch it. It's like being forced to watch yourself when you were a kid. I felt so embarrassed. Oh. A lot so of people he, feel that artists feel that way. Like if you go back and yeah. read um, writers and then them, there's a interview I read like a year or two ago. They had a bunch of writers go back and read their first book, and they all fucking hated it. And like this guy doesn't know how to write. He's a stupid punk kid. Yeah, I usually hate everything I create. So, yeah, me too. so I get, I got it. Sense that quote is from like 2010. So that's him looking back like 20 years and being like, oh yeah, a lot has changed since then. <laughs> What did I know? What did I know? I didn't know anything back then. I was just a child, just just Hollywood dreams, big dreams, stardom in Japan. Um, there's a degree of physicality in Japanese acting that I like. Like, um, they're like uh, really kicking each other and shit in scenes. You <laughs> yeah. notice that? I like that dude. That one dude that he legitimately kicked the show like five cops. He's kicking them barefoot and shit too. Have you ever kicked someone barefoot? It hurts your foot, too. You got to have your boots on. But he was brave. I guess he didn't have time for his boots on. Yeah, and he, he's, when you're running from the cops, you just got to kick what you can kick. That guy is tough as hell. He beat the shit out of so many cops. And then he ran for like three miles. Yeah, the cops are like have amazing cardio, too, considering you just seem sitting around smoking all the time. <laughs> I know, it's impressive. Yeah, that chasing is cool. It's... um. So fucking long and so many different like set pieces and I but I really like the backseat camera in the car with Katano and his uh, rookie and then uh, 
when he when the, the the drug dealer first escapes from the balcony and he hits that dude in slow motion with the baseball bat and then immediately cuts to real time as the blood pours out of his head. Oh man, I mean that entire fight with the the cop that dies, you can kind of feel the build up to him dying. Fucking awesome. See, that's what I mean. There's parts of this movie that are like amazing. And it's everything you want out of like a Japanese gangster or police movie. At least that's what I want. And then but it kind of drops the ball. So the the plot itself, the story, is basically meaningless. You know what I mean? You it's easy to follow, you know what's going on, but it's uh It's like, yeah, it's just there. There's nothing intriguing about it. So the synopsis we read where oh he finds out his partner selling drugs. It's not his partner, it's just some guy he knows who works in Vice who's selling drugs, who they find out he's selling drugs after he slaps the shit out of one of the lower drug dealers, the lower drug, you know what I mean? The, like, so they find out he's selling drugs. The lower drug dealer is able to report to the higher up Yakuza that he accidentally told them. So then higher up Yakuza is like, all right, well, all these guys got to die. He sends his assassin guy. The cop that was selling drugs actually already killed himself. So the assassin guy kills the other two lower level drug dealers, has a falling out with the Yakuza guy. But the assassin guy and Beat Takeshi, our hero, just are now having a rivalry. That's like the last half of the movie is assassin guy trying to kill Azuma and then Azuma going to get revenge. And then throughout the whole movie, Azuma also has a sister who's recently been released from a mental institution. And he does not spend any time with her. And she's just there as a prop for the end of the movie. Spends a little bit of time with her. Yeah. And the whole thing is he knows after he gets fired, he knows that the hitman is coming for him. And he's just out walking in the streets, like enjoying the day after he's going, he's going to the batting cages. Yeah, and his sister's already been kidnapped and is being gang raped by the hitman's little squad. And he like doesn't even come home to check on her or didn't try to protect her or anything. This is what I mean. I think there's something more in the movie than what ended up being the final product. Because the actual message of the movie, in my opinion, is that um, violence is completely useless no matter who it comes from. So so basically, uh, Azuma and the Hitman are like two sides of the same coin. They're both uselessly violent. So Ozma is not useful to the police force at all because of his violence, and then the hitman is not useful to the Yakuza either because of his pointless violence because he killed one of the drug dealers that the Yakuza didn't want to be killed. You know what I mean? Right, right. When and then, stepped over the line. He yeah, and then initiative. the end of the movie, the hitman basically ends up killing his own crew because they don't want to participate in his like final blowout. And then Ozma kills <laughs> the hitman part- and kills his sister because everything's futile right it's just the futility of violence i think is the message yeah and then he gets shot by like the consigliere of the yakuza guy he kills which is good because when azuma comes to kill the yakuza guy he just shoots the shit out of him and like the consigliere guy's just standing there watching and he's just like uh what oops it's like (laughs) i'm I'm glad he eventually comes and get revenge because before it's like man you're like not doing your job. Shouldn't you think he'd have a gun on him, right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on what his consigliere duties are. Some yeah. of them are more or more bodyguard, and some of them are like, yeah, I'm just gonna be here. I'm the I'm the I'm the the brains here. Also, I'm guessing in uh, Japan you're not strapped up all the time either, since yeah, it's illegal. Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're not really carrying firearms. Uh, the thing all the that time. got me is like the 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 assassin dude's crew, like. They are like the moment for them where everything kind of flips is when he slaps the sister there, and they're like, "Oh, hey!" After they've been abusing her, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why are you beating a woman? We've been raping her for like the last three days. I'm like, what? Well, the moment it really flips is uh, he shotguns one of his crew members, right? Who's about to like pussy out? Not to say pussy out, because I mean he's about to back down because he doesn't want to do it. I don't want to call him pussy because. You know what I mean? It's like, well, no, I don't want to yeah, go. He wants to go fight against violent cop. Yeah, especially because some shit you caused. Like, he, the hitman basically set it up to happen. You know what I mean? So he shotguns the one guy, and the other guy's like, why? You just fucking killed our friend who they bullied all the time for being possibly homosexual. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so he's our friend to bully. 
And so one of the other guys shoots the hitman a couple times, but hitman not dead. He shotguns the other fools. Well, shotguns one of them. The other one runs and then gets shot by violent cop who's arriving just in the nick of time. Well, not really. The nick of time would have been right as they were coming to Kevin up his sister, I think. The nick of time would have been right after he got fired from police force. He went and took care of shit and protected his sister. That's kind of what I mean. And did something of value. That's what I mean. I think there's more to the movie that either is purposely not expressed or like he didn't get to be included in the movie or maybe he wasn't a good enough writer at the time because there's some parallelism to when he comes home and his sister has that dude over and he bullies the shit out of the dude, right? Walking into the bus. So he's like trying to protect his sister, but he's not doing it in a very healthy way. And then at the end of the movie, he doesn't protect her at all and ends up killing her. So there's, I think there's supposed to be something, or maybe I'm just filling in the gaps that he didn't fill in because he wasn't a good enough writer yet. This movie has the elements in there and the way the movie's arranged where there's very little dialogue and it is kind of expressionistic, uh, it lends you the opportunity to try to fill in what the pieces are. I guess I'll, it's just he, he wasn't a very good writer yet. It has to be what it is, right? Yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't a, maybe a great writer yet. He didn't have um, he didn't have full control over the movie. That whole it's a couple things together. You know what I mean? For me, the movie's presented as if it's going to be the equivalent of the white male conservative power fantasy justice shit from the United States, and it is for a little bit. But I think the actual message of the film is supposed to be about the futility of violence. So it's transcending the genre it sits in, right? Right, but it doesn't look quite. But it across. doesn't quite get there. Yeah, it's just missing a few things. And then also, they give like his sister one hit of heroin, and she's suddenly a junkie. <laughs> yeah, I know she's addicted. addicted. <laughs> that is just wild. That's not how it works. You do, you, well, how it works is you do you do it a couple times, then you start to do it like every other weekend, then you do it every weekend. Then you're doing it like every day. And then, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I did heroin once and that's it. Because I'll tell you right now, audience, I've done heroin twice and I was never a junkie. That you know of. I don't know. I've had more problems with addictions. It just wasn't heroin. Oh, well, I'm addicted to love. Love. I don't get enough of it. This is movie, This is one of the, the, like, maybe one of the very few movies I'd like to remake. Oh, right. Because I feel There's like all the, in, all the ingredients are there for for it to be like a, a classic crime movie or a classic movie about um violence and human identity and finding your place in the world like moving on from violence maybe you know there's something there that he just didn't quite achieve there's something there that wasn't there before but it's still a really good movie. I still think uh, cinematography is good. Uh, a little bit inconsistent, but it's it's good. The directing is good. Uh, Beat Takeshi is really good at playing just a quiet, um, intense dickhead. You know, like anytime he talks early on in the film, he's being really jovial and tell, telling like kind of a innocent jokes or whatever. Right. But anytime he's not talking, he just looks like he's a serial murderer anyway. Right? <laughs> he's about yeah, to go I mean, crazy and kill yeah, him, but he's talking Looks about like him. he's going to snap. So he does a pretty good job at that. And then there's a lot of very good, intense scenes, like when he uh, is slapping the shit out of the drug dealer for like 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, we talked about that in the, in the, the scene with the, where the, they go in to kill, arrest the dude, and he beats the shit out of the cops. Mm-hmm. And, well, even that scene starts off almost comedic, right? Right. And then as soon as he kills the other cop, it's like, oh, shit, never mind. I actually would argue that it stops being comedic when he jumps out the window. Yeah, as soon as he jumps... Well, no, yeah, when he starts... He's hanging off the balcony, and it, the kid, the kids turn to look at him, like, kind of confused, right? Mm-hmm. And then that cop makes sees the look on the kid's face. Uh, like I think that's the, the exact moment where it's like, oh... Oh, this is gonna be serious or something. Yeah, something's about to have to happen here. Yeah, because it's also where like the 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 soundtrack music changes too. Mm-hmm. Man, that scene's so good. That's what I mean. There's so much good shit in this movie. It's just like not like could have been. Realized. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been a little bit better. Yeah, I need a little bit more time in the oven or something. <laughs> you need to take even more time. It's a movie that I really enjoy thinking about. It's fun to talk about. 
it's inspirational in a weird way where I like I don't think I'd ever want to remake any move any movies, but if, like if I gun to my head, they're like, You gotta remake a movie, what's it gonna be? I think I would remake this movie. This would be, be this one. Yeah. But one movie that I would not like to remake is the movie we'll be not watching next week, which is going to be Heavy Metal. Uh, I like Heavy Metal. Yeah, you ready? Right, you don't want to remake that shit. No, that's a lot of work. Hand drawn animation. Yeah, right. (laughs) Are you ready for some animated titties? Mm, Who doesn't love a good animated titties? I think I actually do. I think I'm really into sexual themes in animation. You do? I I don't necessarily. I don't like like it or dislike it any more than nudity in in live action. I I think. I mean, I don't know. I don't like when it's like grossly grossly sexualized, right? Like I'm not like gonna sit and watch hentai. Like, last week, like I said, I don't want to take away like any artistic merit there is to hentai. I'm not <laughs> trying to I'm be super right now. Let's do it. But like I don't want to sit and watch hentai exactly. But um, there's something about like 80s sexualized anime and some Western animation like heavy metal and like fire and ice and stuff that made it out where it's just like casually here's some breasts or here's some nudity you know what i mean that's interesting to me i don't I know understand that. but i guess i mean i don't know again it just goes back to like i don't it's not any different than if it was live action i guess is what i how i feel about it i guess for me it's um most of the sexuality in live action films is um always really awkward i yeah. feel like yeah, Unless it's, it's like it's specifically like a, an erotic, or it's even you, then it's sometimes productive. and even then it's kind of weird. Yeah, but there's for some reason like the eroticism of like eighties animation is like okay, I can kind of see it, I can kind of get it. I don't know, maybe it's just from like early um, connections of like synapses regarding sexuality, like during puberty and watching like anime or some shit that. It has like a special place in my mind, but I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll do some more thinking about it over the week. We can talk about oh, it good, more. Good. Watch heavy metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, like, there's a very clear line for me. Like Ninja Scroll, that's it. Like that's I don't want to see sexuality of that level. <laughs> you <laughs> that's know what I mean? Line right there. Yeah, it's nothing. It's the, on the other side of Ninja Scroll. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, on this side of Ninja Scroll. Yeah, on this on this side of Ninja Scroll, I'm fine with it. Once it's Ninja Scroll or worse, no thanks. And all like I've watched Ninja Scroll multiple times. I still think it's a pretty good movie. It's all it's just all the rape shit, and it. it was like this is just way too much. <laughs> well, that's like the they they kept showing this girl getting raped in, in Violent Cop, and I'm like, man, this is too much for me. Yeah, yeah. As soon as the, it, the scene starts, I'm, I was already like, oh, I don't know if this needs to be in the movie. Yeah, me too. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. Are you up for a one-star uh, review for Rock and Roll High School? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Ready? I just it's um I can understand like obviously it's not a very good movie, right? But once again, to go out of your way and write a critical review of this movie at, at one star is just so weird to me. I watch this movie and I'm like, it's not a very good movie, but it's fun, whatever. And it probably is like a one-star movie. Like from all technical aspects and shit, but like to go out of your way, I don't know. It takes it takes a special kind of person, <laughs> I guess. A special, a special man. Uh, so this is from Joker in the Pack. I think that's what it's supposed to be. There's some uh, some leak speak in here. I saw this movie, and let me tell you, it sucked. The main character is so annoying. She has no life. The whole plot is dumb. Napoleon Dynamite has more of a plot than this. The only yeah. good thing about this was the Ramones played live. Fair. Other than that, yuck. I'm so sure the Ramones are going to help trash a high school. Probably. I'm so sure. What I'm actually it? surprised that the Ramones would stoop to the list low. I mean, I love them, <laughs> but after seeing this, I don't like them anymore. Honestly, you're better off <laughs> buying Hey, is Dee Dee home, raw, or the end of the century? Which I guess some of that might be true. Is that his review? That's his review. That's he, it. He watched that movie and it made him like the Ramones less. Yeah, exactly. It's a, he just didn't know anything about the Ramones to begin with. I don't think he's one of those people under the misguided belief that there's some bunch of tough guys from the Bowery or some shit. <laughs> this is totally in the Ramones wheelhouse. Maybe not in Johnny Ramones wheelhouse because I don't think he found joy in anything. 
Joey and he did found joy in stealing people's girlfriends. Yeah, I'm sure Joey and Dee Dee were like fucking hyped to be in some teen exploitation movie. (laughs) It's everything Joey ever dreamed of. Hell yeah, it's fucking dumb. Yeah, and Joey got to be like immortalized as a sex symbol in a teen exploitation movie. (laughs) He's like, I'm like a poem. Yeah, it's fucking dope. This guy sucks. This guy has no shit about movies, doesn't know shit about the Ramones. He's annoying. He's a waste. This guy doesn't fuck. This guy, yeah, this guy gets one star. Never ate pussy once in his life. Fucking, he blows on hot Cheetos before he takes a bite. He all turns off the light before he has missionary sex with his wife. He's boring, is what I'm saying. He's a sucker. All right, uh, next week we'll watch Heavy Metal. Uh, this or this coming week we'll watch it, and then next week we'll report on it. And then also this week I will learn more about hentai what did i say i was gonna do oh think more about sexuality and animation or something i don't know if i'll do that i'll probably forget those thoughts that's fair that's it go to twitter go to vhscult.com rate and review tell your friends and family uh tell the police i'm coming for them Ooh, sue whoop ooh wee boo yeah you ever listen to the booyah tribe you just went into a weird place yeah you ever listen to the booyah tribe no i don't uh, they're like a bunch of Samoan brothers from um, Carson, California. They've been around since the '80s. They just do like hip hop. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't. I just. Oh, I think this was more of that story. No, I'm, you had to have heard them before because I remember seeing them on or hearing I them probably on, have. on I 102.5 back in the day. Oh, I definitely heard them then. That, I don't no, remember ooh, though. Well, I just man. remember that. Ooh, sue, whoop, ooh, wee, boo, yeah. Because I think some of them were bloods. Maybe all of them were. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> That's it. VH just called. Police and police. Police, police and peace.